Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this evening for our midweek Bible study. I will be taking today's lesson. Our senior pastor has graciously allowed me to teach this Bible lesson. I am very excited. If you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, can you go right ahead there and let us know? Type in Amen, Hallelujah. One way or the other, I would like to know you were there. God bless you tonight. Before we start, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you tonight. We are so grateful for the opportunity to gather together online this evening. Father, you have kept us safe, that we're able to join this evening's service online is due to your faithfulness and to your mercy. And so, Heavenly Father, we lift up our hands in worship and we lift up our hands in praise. We say glory to your name. Thank you for food on our tables. Thank you for clothes on our backs. Thank you for a roof over our head. Lord, things are not going the way we want it to go in the world right now, but somehow you've kept us safe. You've provided for us. And we want to thank you. This evening, Lord, we gather around your word. I pray that my heart will overflow with a word from above, that my tongue will be like the pen of a ready writer. I pray for every single person who will be listening tonight. I pray that their ears will be open to the word of God, that our hearts will be like a fertile ground for the seed of the word in the name of Jesus. Lord, go ahead and bless your people. We are waiting on you, Lord. And we thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead this evening. I am going to um, teach us from the Word of God. And tonight, what we want to talk about is about the covenant. So our senior pastor for the past few weeks on Wednesday evenings has been teaching us on what he titled our covenant defense. We've had about four lessons on that. And this evening I am going to be teaching us on what I called just stick with the covenant. So he's been teaching us our covenant defense. But this evening we'll take it one step further, just adding a little bit of a layer to what he's been teaching us. And tonight we're going to be talking about what I have titled, Just Stick with the Covenant. So I hope you're ready for Bible study because this is Bible study. It's not preachy. We're going to open our Bibles together. Now, I want to invite you this evening, go ahead, bring out your Bible, bring out your notes, and let's take notes. Let's dig into the Word of God together. Amen. So right now, we all know what's going on, COVID-19. COVID-19, not because it's the 19th coronavirus disease, but it's actually because it started in 2019. So the world has been upside down. Things have been topsy-turvy. Many people don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we've been taught that our covenant is our defense. So we'll talk about the covenant. You know that the world is fickle. You know that man is fickle. You know that today... 
People are dependable until they're not. You can trust them until you can't trust them. Let's open our Bibles. We're going to read quite a few scriptures tonight, and I'm very excited because um, this is what has kept me going. This is what has kept our family going, and this is what has kept people going for a while. I hear that those um, on the phone line cannot hear me. I'm not quite sure why they cannot. I'm going to try that again. Can you hear me now? Apparently they can. Can you still hear me? Somebody text me. How about now? Can you hear? All right. Thank you. And so, um, you know, we're trying to do this on every platform we've got. So we have our teleconference line going, and we also have um, our YouTube, we have our Facebook Live going. So bear with us as we make sure all the technologies work together. All right. So Jeremiah 17, that's where I want us to start from tonight. And we'll go quickly into the Word of God. Like our senior pastor says, time really, really, really moves very quickly. So this evening, Jeremiah 17 verse 5, it says, this is what the Lord says. I'm reading from, from the New Living Translation. Thank you for letting me know you can hear. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. In an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank, which with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I am excited about this word tonight because that word tells you that regardless of what is going on, COVID-19, influenza virus, whatever might be out there, Ebola, name it, sickness, disease, you are supposed to be protected. And tonight the Bible study is to help you to remember that you are protected. Now there's a difference between you being protected and you knowing that you're protected. I want to encourage you tonight to listen carefully to the word of God Read along with me. Don't just listen. I know how this works because most of the time I don't teach this. So I am a listener and I know that um, I could be doing many things while the word is going on. I could be in my kitchen cooking. I don't do that, but I'm just saying you could be doing many things and you can be distracted. But I want to encourage you. This is a season where the world is in turbulence, but you can actually get ahead during this time. So I'm saying to you that take your Bible, take your notes, take your pen, or take notes in whichever way you know how to take notes, and look at what God is saying. He says, if you trust me, you will be like a tree planted along a river bank. Amen. 
it says that if you trust in God, you will be bringing forth fruits while everybody is drying up. In Psalms 118 verse 8, I'm reading from the King James now. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Do not put your confidence in your boss. Do not put your confidence in the government. Do not put your confidence in anything that is human. God said it. We don't need to argue about the fact if he says don't put your confidence in any promise any man gives you. Why? Not because they're mean. It's just simply because they're human. They can be well-meaning. They can even have told themselves, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Then something that is beyond their control comes and then they disappoint you. So in this season, the Lord is saying, look up. Look up to me. Stop, stop, stop. Take a deep breath. Stop looking at the things that are around you. Look up. Look up to me. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My, my help comes from the Lord. Not from a paycheck. God is your source. God is your provider. And we're going to look at that covenant. Our senior pastor has been telling us our covenant, that covenant we have with God, this is our defense. Why is the Lord saying don't put your trust in man? Because man can be faithful and then man can be unfaithful. With God, he's always faithful. I want you to remember a particular man, Jesus' best friend. If not his best friend, very close to it. Remember Simon Peter? In Mark 14, the Bible tells us, just during the Passover dinner, that um, Jesus said, you know what, Simon? You and the other guys on this table are going to disappoint me. Ah, uh, Simon said, never, 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 never. Where I grew up or where I, where after we got married, where I was living as a missionary, they had the saying, you know, when they really want to say something that will never happen, they say, walai talai. <laughs> and if you are from Nigeria or the upper part of Nigeria, you know exactly what I'm saying. Walai talai. They're, they're swearing, I will never leave you. Simon Peter said that, walai talai. Jesus, I will never leave you. It was not even 3 a.m., 6 a.m., Simon Peter had disappointed Jesus, swore that he'd never met him three times. It's not because Simon Peter was bad. It's simply because Simon Peter was human. You cannot put your whole trust, not in your parents, even though you know they love you. Parents even love their children more than they love themselves. But I was reading in Psalm 27 verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. That is to say, they can forsake you. Not because they want to, but circumstances beyond their control can make that happen. I read the story in Second Kings. So this is Bible study. So there's a lot of scriptures. I read the story in Second Kings chapter 6, verse 28. 
It says that there was such a bad famine in Israel that one day women killed their children and ate their children. Now, God had already predicted that and gave them through prophecy in Deuteronomy. He said, if you do such and such and such, this will happen to you. He said, if you um, determine that you will sin and keep on sinning, your enemies will lay a siege upon you and things won't go well. So much so that evil will come upon you. People will cook their children to eat. It actually happened in 2 Kings verse 6. Now, would a mother ever think of eating their children? Is that possible? No. A mother would never think that way. A mother would rather give her life for her child. But things were so bad in 2 Kings verse uh, um, Second Kings chapter 6, where a mother actually, so read the Bible, that's why I say, don't be listening, open your Bibles and follow with me, Second Kings chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, one mother killed the child, two women ate that child together, and the next day they were supposed to kill the other woman's child, and of course that other woman went and hid her child, and they didn't want them to kill the child, what am I saying, humans can fail, even the strongest human love can fail. That could happen between a husband and wife. That could happen between a mother and a child, a father and a child, a boss and an employee, your favorite uncle, whatever. The Bible warns you, do not put your trust in man. So where do we put our trust? Why do we look up to God when he says, lift up your eyes and look at me? I'm talking to you, sister, listening to me tonight, and I'm talking to you, brother. Listen very carefully. You put your trust in God for this following reasons. One, God can never fail. <laughs> That's the first thing. And I want us to read a few scriptures together. God cannot fail. So the scriptures, you know them, but if you have your Bible open, read along with me. Let's just read it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. So let's read Numbers 23, verse 19. You know that, but we'll read it together. Right now, I'm reading it in the King James Version. And if you're watching by YouTube, this is a uh, time to still open your Bible, read with us. Watching by um, Facebook Live, read with us. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? If God gives you a word, you can take it to the bank. It will happen. I don't care what happens. Earthquakes, wind, fire, flood. God's word will never fail. I have already told you how a mother's love can fail. God's love will never fail you. He can't help himself. He cannot lie. The Bible tells us he's not a man. He can't lie. Humans will lie under the most extreme circumstances. And I'm not talking of people who just lie for fun. I'm talking of people who love you to a point where they would rather give their lives until they can't give their lives and then they fail you. But God will never, ever fail you. So remember, 
Our covenant with God is our defense because of his faithfulness. He just remains strong. He never changes. If he gives you his word, that's exactly what will happen. Hebrews, uh, let's read another one. 1 Samuel 15, 29. This thing should encourage your heart, help you to know that God is watching out for you. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. That word repent means change his mind. The strength of Israel, that's God, he will not lie. God will not lie to you. If you gave it, if he gave you his word, it is so. Just take it to the bank. You can sleep on it. No matter what happens, five, ten years, that word is still good. He is a covenant keeping God. How about Hebrews 6 chapter, so Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Or maybe let's just read verse 18, just that particular verse that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie it is impossible for God to lie if God has a covenant with you he will make it good just tell yourself over and over God does not lie God cannot lie God does not have it in him to lie and no matter how hard it seems no matter how difficult things seem no matter how crazy the situations of life may get no matter how painful your body is feeling no matter how hurt you are in your emotions no matter how much mental trauma it is that you you, you feel you're going through just remember God does not lie God cannot lie he has given me his word he will not lie to me he has said he has healed me and then you start to speak and tell yourself that's why I'm giving you the scriptures write it down last one Titus 1 2 Titus 1 2 in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie? God cannot. So we've heard God does not lie. It is impossible for God to lie. God cannot. That is, there is no part of him that can lie. His word is firm. His word is true. It is what it is. The other reason why we can rest in God's covenant is because of his love. You see, God has this kind of love for us that you can't really define it, and you don't know why he loves you. Many times I say, God, I don't know why. I don't know why you love me so much. I know I'm not deserving of it, but somehow you love me this much. Sister, brother, whoever you are tonight listening, God loves you very, very much. I've already told you the character of God. One of the things our senior pastor told us about is that that covenant, the name of Jesus, rests upon his character. Well, the character of God is that he is faithful through and through. There's truth in him. Anywhere you turn in God is truth and light, and there is no lie. But beyond that, the reason why he is committed to his covenant with you is because he loves you. I don't know why God loves us this much. Why does he love us this much? I'm looking at the scripture here and I'm thinking, 
what have I done that you should love me so? The Bible says, and I want us to read it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. It's nothing that we did. It is something that he did. He looked at us and decided that he would love us. Now, I'm hoping that those who are on the phone can still hear me. If you're able to hear, I want you to let me know. Um, just say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, when we think about it, God does this simply because deep within him is this part of him that is yearning for us. He's yearning for a family. He's yearning for sons and daughters. He's yearning for everything that he can have when he has sons and daughters. He's yearning for just people he can call his own. So when he thought about it, he said, how do I get this people? This people I can call my own. He said, I'm going to send my only son. At that time, Jesus was not his son. Jesus was the word of God. The Bible records that there's a place that said, who will go for us? And Jesus came. And we've just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated Good Friday. We celebrated that whole season. It was not easy, but Jesus went through the whole process so that God can have a family. But it's not because we were so deserving. It's because he just loved us. And you look at yourself. Look at yourself. Do you feel that you are that deserving? What is it about you that makes you so special that God should love you so? I say this because sometimes when we miss the mark, you feel that I've missed the mark so much God can't love me. Brother, he loves you not because of how good you were or how good you're not. He just loves you. And that's the same for every sister listening to this teaching tonight. He loves us. First John 4.10 in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, write the scriptures, read it over and over. It makes you feel special, really. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, the Lord did not set his love on you. Listen to that. He was talking to the Israelites, but that's also to us. The Lord did not set his love on you. Nor did he choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. Verse 7 is the part that I really want to emphasize. He did not love you because of any special attributes. I think some people think God loves them and keeps his covenant with them because um, maybe 
they sing well or maybe they serve very well in church I'm not putting aside our service to God these are all crucial things but I'm saying that's not why he loves you <laughs> he loves you just because he loves you and that love is the very basis of his covenant with you that love is the very basis of his covenant with me and if you believe the love God has for you, it helps you to know that when he gives you his word, he's watching over his word to perform it in your life. This gives me great comfort. I want to share it with you that you can take comfort with this. in this. You can go to bed at night not because you feel that you did well. You checked all the boxes that day. But you are going to bed that night because you know that regardless, he loves you. Let's read Romans. I like this scripture very much. And I, I guess we all know that scripture in Romans chapter 8. I'll see if I can find it because it came to my mind as we were just talking now. In Romans chapter 8, and I believe that might be verse 17. I'll open it up in my Bible. Because that scripture really, really blessed me. And this is Bible study, so you should be opening it up as well. Um, maybe not that one. That one talks about us being joined heirs. Oh yeah, I know the one I'm looking for. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his son, watch all these words now, trying to convince you and trying to convey to you that you're very special to him. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33, Romans 8, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies. That is, even if you miss it, somebody comes to God and says, do you know he's the worst sinner? She's the worst. God says, hold your peace. I didn't ask you. Leave my child alone. The Bible says, it is God who justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yes, rather, that is reason again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Do you know, because he loves us so much, he already made provision. That's why that covenant continues to work and it is active because of God's love. So even when you miss it and somebody condemns you and somebody points the finger at you and the devil is proficient at that, saying, and he calls himself a Christian and he did that, the Bible says in verse 34, he's making intercession. Jesus is saying, no, Father, the blood covers that one. The blood covers that one. Let him go. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall COVID, shall distress, shall unemployment, shall persecution, shall following, shall famine, shall nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, 
for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conqueror through him that did what? That loved us. It's not that you are more than conquerors because God just wants to show his might. No, because he loves you. That's the covenant. He loves you and he will keep his covenant sure for you. He said, in all these things, I want you to just read the scripture to yourself. In all these things. I'm going to read that particular verse in um, in several versions because it, it's just amazing. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Let's read it in the Amplified. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. You may have just lost your source of income. That's not your source of provision. It's just an income. He says, through all these things, you gain surpassing victory. That's the covenant. It's your defense. God has promised to love you. In all these things, the Good News Bible says, we have complete victory. So regardless of what I'm seeing, regardless of what I'm hearing, regardless of what may be going on, I have complete victory. God's Word translation says, the one who loves us gives us an overwhelming victory in all these difficulties. So I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, today I have overwhelming victory. It's not just victory. It's overwhelming victory through all these difficulties. New Living Translation. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victories, victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So child of God, trying to help you understand here that one of the reasons you can go to bed resting on that covenant being your defense is that he loves you. He loves you more than life itself. <laughs> Jesus choked in the garden of Gethsemane. He got to a point and his flesh kind of fought against him and said, you don't want to go through this. This is going to be hard. And he even said, Father, can we change the plan? Can can this cup be removed and let, you know, let's just do it in another way? Then he said, not my will, but your will. He loved you more than his own life. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him, yet he went through it just for you, just for me. His love is the very foundation of, of the covenant he has with you. He will do just about anything for you and for me. So let's talk about this covenant because it kind of really tickles me. I I I kind of I did a deep dive into the word. You know me, if you've heard me teach before, I'm the kind who goes into the Hebrew and the Greek and the Webster's dictionary definition. So we might do a little bit of that tonight. So, not Hebrew or Greek tonight, but we will be talking about the covenant. What is the definition of covenant? So, from Webster's, 
Now, not the new Webster's. I'm talking of the old Webster, the one that Webster himself wrote in the 1800s. Covenant means a, a mutual consent or agreement of two or more persons to do or to not do something. So two people come together and they agree and they say, we're going to do this. It's a contract or a stipulation. A covenant is created by deed in writing. It's sealed and executed. A covenant can also be defined as a writing containing the terms of agreement or contract between parties. There's something I learned as I was studying. Bear with me, we'll get there. There was a word I hadn't really noticed before. I'm sure it's always been there. I've just never heard of it. In the legal dictionary, they, they, they give a word called covenantor. Some very smart wordsmith already knows that word. Yesterday was the first time I can say I really looked at it and I saw it. Covenantor. Covenantor. To become a covenanter, a person must be sui juris. So that's Latin meaning of age and intend at the time of becoming bound to the covenant to perform some act mentioned in the covenant. He is the one who will perform the covenant. Then there's another word, call, word called covenantee. So God is the covenantor. I have told you, he can't lie. If he puts his hand on the dotted lines, that's it. If God says, I'm going to do this, his word is his bond. So when God says to you, this will happen to you, this will happen to you, I have given you this, I will do this, I will protect this, I will preserve this, I will heal this, that word is out, he is the covenantor, he is bound by his words. Now, I am the covenantee, the person to whom the promise in a covenant is made. Brother, sister, tonight I want you to remember, I took time to tell you about how God loves us so much. The basis of this covenant, this semen contract, because it really is not a contract when we think about it. Who are you? Are you going to take God to court? Which court will you take him to if he refuses to do what he said he will? So it's not an equal uh, two parties. But yet, God determined to give himself in an agreement and a promise to you and to me. He didn't have to do it. Jesus didn't have to die. But because he loved us so much. Always remember the love of God. Always. No matter what. Always remember how much he loves you. When you go to bed in the, at night, say, he loves me. When you wake up in the morning, he loves me. I, I don't get it. I don't know why. I'm not sure that I'm deserving, but he loves me. I am beloved. I am beloved. The Bible says you're beloved and you're accepted in the beloved. So he's the covenanter. I am the covenantee. And I'm loving it already as I'm teaching about it. So, Getting a little bit further, <laughs> deeper into this description of what a covenant is, 
I looked at the synonyms for covenant. So I told you no Hebrew Greek, but we will do synonyms and antonyms. Is that okay? It's Bible study. Synonyms for covenant. It could be promise or deed. When you look at promise, it could be treaty, bargain, arrangement, agreement. Bear with me now in this English class that we're going through. I guess the one that really caught my attention, because you see, if you ever want to do this study, if you go to the dictionary online, what happens is when you get into thesaurus or, or synonyms and so on, what happens is when, when you put one word, it gives you a plethora of words, and then that word gives you more words and more words. So in front of me, you can't see, but I have a picture, several pictures from the dictionary that I got this from. And it's so interesting when you're talking of promise. So covenant means promise. Promise means that person has pledged to do something for you. God has agreed to do something for you. God has determined to undertake different things just for you. God will be engaged in your affairs because he has a covenant with you. God has bound himself to you. God has a deed and a contract signed and ratified with blood, the blood of Jesus for you. God has formed a pact with you. God has a trust with you. This is how God, the covenanter, is looking at me, his covenantee. And when things start to happen that should not happen, God remembers because the blood is before him in heaven. And the blood reminds him. Remember Jesus said, this is the blood of my new covenant. The blood reminds him and says, you have a pact with that girl. Father, you have to do this. You have pledged to deliver her. You have to do this. There is a deed. And what is the deed? And where is this written? Where is this contract written? It's in the word of God. That Bible, which sometimes you do not read, that's where your contract or your covenant with God is completely broken down. If you want to know what happens when you are sick, look in there and you will find that somewhere in there, he said, by the stripes of my son Jesus, you are healed. If you want to know about debt and poverty, somewhere in that contract, it's not even fine print. It's big, legible print. He says, I have redeemed you from the curse of the law because cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. What is the curse of the law? Like our pastor has taught us, it is sickness and disease, poverty, eternal damnation. So when you see poverty coming, you can pick up the covenant and say, oh, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. And the covenantor, because he has pledged to the covenantee, he chases poverty away from you. If you will remember the contract, 
He said, I will send my word not to heal. He says, I have sent my word and healed. So that means, as far as he's concerned, he has sent his word. And right now, you are the healed of the Lord. I, the covenantee, needs to remember that I am the healed. So when I start to have headaches, fevers, chills, difficulty in breathing, wheezing, inability to think straight, my emotions are wacky, and my body is not behaving well, I just say, I am the healed of the Lord. When things are not going right, I pull out the deed. I pull out the pact. Because I am the covenantee and the covenantor has determined that whatever he has contracted with me, not because I'm worthy to be contracted with, but because his son paid the price, he is obligated. And it's not that you are dragging God to do it. He is very excited to do it. Remember, the, the, the covenant is based on his extreme, inexplicable love for you. What other synonym do we have here? The synonym to covenant Promise. Promise has, like in this particular dictionary I looked at, has about four synonyms on its own. Promise means potential. God has the aptitude. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't even hold myself. My covenantor has potential to do every single thing he said he would. To protect me, to preserve me, to provide for me, to promote me, to take me into heaven when time comes. He has the aptitude, he has the wisdom and the intelligence to get me out of little, little traps that the enemy has placed for. That's the covenant. It's my defense. So he has the aptitude, he has the flair. He has the capability. <laughs> Are you looking at all these words now? And if you think I'm not saying it right, go into your computer, go into the dictionary, look for the synonym of promise. You'll find potential. He has the capacity. My covenantor has the capacity to deliver. So this is not one of those contracts that people try to wriggle out of. No. He's not only that he has the potential, he has the capacity. All of heaven and all the angels, He, when he made me and I was born, he sent an angel to keep a watch, to keep a watch over her. If anything happens to her, you are in trouble. Make sure she does not dash her foot against a stone. Make sure she's preserved. Make sure no, the enemy does not come near her. Make sure no evil comes near her. He gave charge over me. And then, if that angel is doing its work, his work, and somehow there are more demons than one angel, the whole of heaven is at that angel's disposal to be a backup, to deliver me. Whatever it takes, my covenantor has the capacity and the capability to deliver me. I am so excited, I can hardly hold myself. So, potential means talent. My covenantor, God Almighty, has the talent to do whatever needs to be done in my life. He has the ability. I'm so tempted to go into the Greek now because 
but I won't go there. But he does have the ability. He has the capability and he has the ability. He has all the power in heaven and on earth to deliver me to make stuff happen. If I have legal issues, he can fix it. He has the power. I remember in the scripture when somebody took Abraham's wife. See, this is when you have a big backup. Our covenantor is there. That person, Abimelech, goes and takes Abraham's wife. And God comes in the middle of the night and taps Abimelech in the shoulder. Excuse me? Are you crazy? You are a dead man. Return that man's wife to him right now. Or you are dead and everybody in this place is dead. And God shut up all the wombs in that king's palace and country until Sarah was returned back to Abraham. That's what we call power. That's my covenantal. Another synonym is guarantee. So when he gives you his covenant, he gives you his promise, he gives you his guarantee, a word of honor, an oath. Another word that I love so much is engagement. God has determined that he will be engaged in my life. God is not one of those fathers that send their children and say, go do what you need to do. Let me know if you need any help. No, his act, he's not an absentee father. My covenantor is absolutely engaged in every detail of my life. When I go to bed at night, I know he's got it. Like our senior pastor was teaching us on Sunday, if God is awake, why do I need to stay awake? He gives his beloved sleep. God is seriously engaged in every detail. I, as a child of God, can tell you, I am a walking testimony of an engaged father. He is engaged. He's engaged in my marriage. He's engaged with my children. He's engaged with my career. He, my covenantor is fully engaged. Another word, a synonym for covenant is commitment. That covenant, God is committed to you. Humans can be committed to you to a point and then when their own issues arise, they forget. But God is absolutely, totally committed to me. It makes my heart rejoice. It makes my heart almost burst. He's committed. He's devoted. Do this word yourself. Just go there, put synonym for commitment. Is dedication. Another synonym for commitment is dedication. All these words come from covenant. God is devoted to me. God is devoted to you. God is loyal to you. He will be loyal to you. He will not be a Simon Peter in your darkest hour. Or some disciples that left Apostle Paul when he had to stand before um, different um, courts. He is absolutely loyal to you. 
The antonym of dedication is wavering. God is not wavering when it comes to you. He knows what he's going to do. He knew what he was going to do before you got to this point. You know, you got here and you felt, oh my goodness, my world is falling apart. How could this have happened to me? No. He already got here before you got here. He's absolutely committed. He's not wavering. He knows what he's going to do. That's why our covenant is our defense. God is not indecisive when it comes to you, his child. I am so thankful, Lord. I thank you. <laughs> God is not wavering, not indecisive. He's not vacillating. Should I do this? Should I? God knows exactly what will do you good. And like we were taught on Sunday, if it's not good, it's not God. If it's not God, it is not good. God has pledged. He's taken a vow and undertaken. He's assured. He's assuring you, I am with you. My covenant ensures that no evil will come near you. He says, I am responsible. Another synonym is responsible. I am responsible for you. I have tied myself to you. I have a duty to make sure your life goes well. I am obligated to you. I am liable for everything that happens to you. I'm engaged in your life. I don't care what age you are. Isn't it wonderful to know that he is engaged? And the last one that completely blows my mind. So this is Bible study. And I'm kind of taking you through um, an English class tonight. But these things have just made my heart swell up and it's just overflowing. There's one more word that is synonym with promise or covenant is arrangement. That covenant means that God has an arrangement and a plan for you. He's made a plan. He's made provision. He's made preparation for you. That covenant means God has prepared. I, you know, sometimes you can't sleep. People are telling me that, you know, towards the end of this year, things are going to really fall apart. People have lost their jobs now. It's not just now. By the, by the end of the year, when all the books are put together, people are going to see, oh, they can't afford to keep stuff on. Um, they're going to lay off people. No. This is what you stand in the covenant. I don't care what happens. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. He's made provision for me. There is preparation for me. There is planning. He's done this ahead of time. Listen, God is not just getting to this point and trying to figure out how do I help you? How do I help Tinu? What's going to happen to her? And I know that's why I can sleep at night in his covenant. <laughs> his covenant is my defense. His covenant has me covered. I can look the devil in the eye and say, is that your worst shot at me? Go back into hell and go bring more. Because his covenant is my defense. That word arrangements means agreement. He, God already has appointments set up for my life. Wonderful. Don't you feel excited? <laughs> I can hardly hold myself together. He has appointments. So arrangement Synonym is agreement. He has appointments. He has deals set up for me. Packs set up for me. Arrangement means adaptation. 
God has things orchestrated in my future, in my present, in my future. He has instruments that he's going to use just for me. He has things he's set up, aligned, marshaled forces and people who don't even know they're being used of God just for me. That's my God. That's my covenantal. And I am so excited to be the covenantee. Aren't you excited to be the covenantee? God is not just watching out for you. He's completely engaged in your life. He's engaged in your future. What do we need to do from our end? From our end, we need to understand this facts. That he is jealous for us. That song we sang it on, on Sunday. He is jealous for me. God is jealous for you. You are the apple of his eye. Don't let the devil come with one big win. That's why Jesus kept saying to the disciples, Why are you of little faith? Why do you understand so little of the love of God? You mean I'm going to tell you, get into a boat. Let's go to the other side. And then I'm going to let you die in the middle of the sea. Do you not know that I'm completely engaged in your life? Do you not know that I'm completely engaged in your affairs? I'm right there with you. I'm in the nitty-gritty and the details with you. That's what we need to know. We need to know that God Almighty is in this with us. And finally, there's a scripture I really wanted us to read. That scripture... Galatians 3, let's read from Galatians 3.13. We're just going to stay in Galatians 3 and we're going to wrap up there tonight. Your covenantor just loves you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There's one scripture I missed, and I really want to read it. It's Ephesians 2 from verse 11. Therefore, remember that you who were once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Before, before you were born again, before you were a new creature in Christ, you were a stranger from the covenant of promise, like every non-believing man or woman is today. You see, all these things going on, they're, they're subject to it. Because they're strangers from the covenant of promise. The Bible says in verse 12, Strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. That was who we are, who we were. But it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's why you can boldly declare, God is my helper. None of these things move me. 
Galatians 3, 26 to 29 is where we'll end. For you, all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are a joint heir with Christ. You belong to the family of God. You are a covenantee. And God is your covenantor. And I just choose to stick with a covenant. And that's the, the, the title of our lesson tonight. Let's just stick with the covenant. It will protect you. It will preserve you. I want you to go to bed at night thinking of the covenant. I want you to go rise up in the morning thinking of the covenant. Get in your car driving. Think that I am special. I am not the same. I do not expect what is happening in the world to happen to me. You feel a headache. I am the healed of the Lord. Your money is running dry. I have been provided for by God Almighty. God is engaged in my life in every detail. I am safe. I am preserved. I'm going to come out on the other side of this season, standing up, elevated, and promoted. Keep saying it to yourself. Say it till you get your spirit excited and full of fire about this. This is where we're going to stop tonight. Remember, our covenant is our defense. Let's just stick with the covenant. Let us pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the covenant. Ah, covenant ratified by the blood of Jesus. You told us to take the communion so that we will do this and remember what that covenant means. The blood ratified the contract. Father, we embrace the blood of Jesus. We embrace your word tonight and we embrace your promise and your faithfulness. I pray for every brother and sister on this line tonight that this word will stay in their heart. Lord, as they meditate, you'll give them more and more light that a revelation of who you are to us, our covenantor, our God who never lies, who never fails, and who loves us with an everlasting love, that that revelation knowledge will be our portion. Let the light upon our path shine brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. I thank you in the name of Jesus. We call everyone on this line blessed tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I thank you. Next week, please get ready and prepare to join us. On Sunday, of course, we're live online again at 11 a.m. And God bless you. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in His presence. The Lord be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.